start recording. Hello everybody, this is the Adafruit CircuitPython Weekly for October 29th, 2018. I'm Scott and I work on CircuitPython uh, for Adafruit Industries, which is... Uh, Adafruit Industries is a uh, electronics hobby electronics manufacturer based in New York, led by a woman, which is awesome. Uh, CircuitPython is a version of Python that's designed to run on small, indie-bitty uh, computers called microcontrollers that are very inexpensive. So you can buy a full computer for $20 and run Python on it all self-contained, which is really neat. It's great for beginners. Um, this is our weekly meeting that we do every Monday at, uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I don't know what that is, UTC. And uh, this is a meeting where all of the folks that are working on CircuitPython, whether they're doing projects or core code, uh, get together to talk about what they've been doing and discuss uh, things that have come up in the last week. Uh, the meeting is open to everybody, so if you'd like to join, you can join us on the Adafruit Discord which is edafru.it slash discord. That'll get you on there. Um, come join us. We're there in the text channel all week. And then on Mondays, we do this voice meeting and everybody is welcome to attend. Um, the meeting is split into four parts. We start with a state of circuit Python plus libraries. And then um, we'll go into hug reports, which is a chance to say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing in the last week. Um, we do that as a round robin, so I'll start, and then I'll go down the list of uh, folks in the voice channel, and we'll talk about that. Um, if you are lurking or text only, just let me know, and I'm happy to read out things or skip over you when we do the round robin. And then we'll do a uh, status update section where we talk briefly about what we've been working on and what we're working on in the coming week. After that uh, portion of it, uh, we'll go into the weeds, which is just an open-ended discussion section. Uh, the way we've been doing it is that if you have a topic you'd like to discuss in the weeds, uh, just uh, put it in the CircuitPython text chat. We'll pick it up, we'll add it to the notes, and we'll go through all of the things that came up in the earlier parts of the meeting at the end. Um, this meeting is recorded, so if you are in the voice channel, beware that you will be recorded, or I am recording on my end. Uh, the videos get posted both on diode.zone, which is a peer tube instance, uh, and then also on the Adafruit YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. Uh, check out for a playlist there, um, and uh, you can see all of the back catalog of all of our uh, meetings. We have a re repository full of the notes as well. So during the meeting, we keep track of notes along with uh, time codes for when all of those different sections happen so that you can skip around. Uh, so check out the notes for that as well. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, with that, let's get going. Um, first and foremost, I uh, we start with the state of CircuitPython plus the libraries. Um, I'll take a time code so people can skip here. Um, first, I just want to talk overall um, We've had, uh, these are kind of numbers to gauge the health of the project. Um, we had 31 pull requests merged overall from 17 different authors, which is a lot, which is awesome. Um, shout outs to Joshua Lowe, 1002, Sabas, 1080, uh, Mikhabi, Clar.sh, um, Sanuros, uh, for being new contributors. Sorry, I'm reading through the list and skipping people who I've recognized. 
Um, and then we also had seven reviewers. Uh, as always, reviewing is a really, really good way to um, uh, get to contribute. It involves uh, looking over the code and saying and seeing if there's any uh, changes that can be made to the code, and then also just testing it on devices if you have that ability. Um, similarly for issues, so issues are feature requests or bug reports. Uh, you can go on there and verify that issues still happen for you or reproduce them yourself. Um, and in the last week, as of last night, we had six closed issues by five people and 10 opens by six people. So we're gaining issues, um, but having uh, a good number of people involved, which is awesome. Um, in this overall section, we I used to do this like overview of like two sentences of where we are with CircuitPython. Um, and I would like bury it in the beginning, but I thought it should be st uh, closer to the start. So um, if I had to summarize where we're at with CircuitPython is that we're still in the early stages of 4.0, but we are very much honing in on the things that will make 4.0 uh, awesome and, and 4.0e. Um, Dan is working on Bluetooth and I'm doing some USB restructuring, which should be really cool. Um, of course, that's not everything that's going into it, but I feel like we're really targeting the core of what we'll make 4.0 right now, which is very exciting. So uh, hopefully we'll get another alpha out soon. Um, and 3x has been super stable. So it's all good there. So that's, uh, if I had to summarize overall, that's what I would say for um, the state of CircuitPython. Now I'll go into a little bit more uh, kind of statistic details around the core development of CircuitPython. And then uh, Katni will cover the library side. So uh, core-wise, we had 12 pull requests merged from 10 different, author 10 different authors, which again is awesome. Um, I think a number of those were translation-based, which uh, the translation work is really neat. And um, very much a, another very cool thing about 4.0 will be that we support other languages. Um, two reviewers, Dan and myself. So uh, thank you, Dan. And then uh, four open pull requests. So if you want to become a reviewer, uh, check this check the notes for the four pull requests we have open. That's actually a lot lower than I think it's been in the past. So that, so good job, everybody, on that. Um, Issues-wise, we closed two by two people, but uh, we opened nine by five people. So I guess we're the, the reason we overall we gained issues. Um, and that's a total of 64 open issues. Uh, check out the notes for full details on that. Um, download stats for 4.0 Alpha 2, we've had 200 two total downloads uh, with a very typical board spread and uh, language-wise, which I think is more interesting for 4X, we've had a lot of English and then also a number of French and German, which is, and a few Spanish. So again, check out the notes for all the details there. Uh, on 303, which is our latest stable, we're up to 2,389 total downloads. So um, that is great too. Um, okay, with that, I will hand it over to Katni for library stuff. Thank you. So, um, quickly, if you're looking for any last-minute Hacktoberfest issues, check out the CircuitPython library tracking issue, which is um, linked in the notes, and I will link in the chat in a minute here. Um, a number of the repo-level issues are things that can be fixed with a simple PR. Um, so take a look at that. If you have any questions, ping me. Um, and thank you to everyone who's already participated in Hacktoberfest. We really appreciate your involvement. It's been amazing to have so many new contributors um, join us, uh, get little stuff taken care of, because that's some of that is, is some of the most important stuff that needs to be fixed. Um, 
So thank you all very much for that. Um, so in the library setup here, we had uh, 19 pull requests merged, uh, which is amazing, uh, by seven authors. Um, nobody knew this time, but thank you to everyone who uh, who did um, write up some pull requests for us. Uh, we had six reviewers, which is amazing. Um, we don't normally have that many, so that's really great that we're getting uh, more people involved in reviewing because that's a super important part of it. Um, we currently have 10 open pull requests. Uh, a couple of them are new and a few of them are still um, ones that are just um, long-term processes. So uh, that's that's where we're at with that. Um, feel free to take a look at some of them, see if any of them are things you can help out with reviewing, if that's uh, something you're interested in. Um, as for issues, you were definitely the reason why we were increased, um, <laughs> as we had four issues closed by four people, which is fantastic, and one open by one person. Um, so we have uh, 64 total open issues. Take a look at that list, um, see if there's anything on there that is something you'd be interested in, in fixing up, um, if that's, uh, like I said, if that's something you're interested in. And um, the, the notes don't have all of the um, repo level issues listed out. Uh, the library tracking issue does. So if, if you are looking for something simple to fix or um, or just in, interested in, in, in getting started or helping out, there's a lot of um, issues there that are uh, beginner level um, beginner level stuff that you can pretty easily get started with and we're absolutely happy to help you. So check that out. And that's where we are with the libraries. Awesome. Thank you, Katni, and great job on the issues. Uh, I, thank you for uh, making it not terrible based on the, what the core has had issues-wise. Um, yeah, that's, that's our goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, let's move on. Um, we did get started kind of late, so I'm trying not to dilly-dally too much. Uh, next up is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance for uh, everybody who's in the voice chat and it if you're actually not able to make the meeting, you can always let us know and we'll read it out as well. Um, so these are thank yous for the work that people have been doing over the course of the last week or even longer if you haven't had a chance to say thank you in a longer amount of time. Um, so I will start and then we'll do a round robin uh, based on the list, which is alphabetical in the voice chat. So uh, I will begin. With, uh, first and foremost, I wanted to say uh, thanks to Dan for... Uh, the swift ban hammer in discord after and and also thank you to Grays for pinging uh i believe it was community helpers asking for the swift ban there was some really terrible person who came in and uh, we got the ban hammer down on them nice and quick which is good so uh just a reminder to everybody if you do see stuff please uh ping community helpers and uh we'll get it cleaned up pretty quick um so that's a Discord thing. Uh, thank you to Sedacious for the CP32M4 work. It's an idea that uh, Sedacious, Sedacious and I came up with for having a SAMD51 in the footprint of an ESP32 module uh, because there's a lot of boards that are designed for ESP32, but we'd love it if they had USB instead. So I'm very excited to see, uh, to be able to take some of the boards I have with ESPs and put uh, SAMD51s on instead, which would be really cool. Um, third, I wanted to say uh, thank you to Summersoft for all of the Adabot work uh, that you've been doing. It's awesome, and I feel like you're the owner of Adabot at this point, which is great. Uh, happy to see that evolve and become more and more useful. Um, I want to say uh, thank you to Lady Ada, even though she's not in the list of people. 
just for the, all of the audio IO testing that happened yesterday, uh, check out the Twitter, the Adafruit Twitter feed for a video of the upcoming Chellis Express doing some really cool audio stuff. And uh, part of the reason that we did have more issues is there's a number of issues that Lady Ada filed up to improve the audio IO stuff. So if you are interested in uh, kind of digging into uh, core work, um, check those out. Some of those aren't too bad. Um, and if you need help, you're always welcome to reach out to Dan or I to, to get going on, on internal stuff. So uh, more help on the core would be great so that we're not the ones always adding issues to the issue pile for CircuitPython on the whole. And with that, um, I will read off Brennan because Brennan is text only. Um, but Brennan, feel free to repost it uh, as I do this in the in the text chat. So uh, Brennan says, um, uh, "Hug report to Katni Carter and Tian Newt for the review on the Care LCD library." Um, thank you, Brennan. And I guess I was a spoiler by reading it off early. I, I saw it in the notes. If anybody wonders how I knew that before it showed up, it's it's in the notes first. Um, okay, Carter. Um, group hug this week. And uh, another specific one to Dan for continuing to help with some various Windows drivers-related oddities that are showing up in the forums. Some of them CP-related, some of them not. Yeah, Dan is the expert on that now, I think. Indeed. Cool. Thanks, Carter. Uh, Charles. Uh, another another great group, group hug for, for some stuff that I picked up on the uh, MCP, uh, what is it, the 23017, because I was having trouble trying to read the, you know, the, bit, reg uh, the bit registers all at once, mm. and I found it finally. Somebody pointed me to the uh, place in the uh, repo. Thank you. Perfect. Uh, thanks, Charles. Okay, Dan. Um, I just I want to thank uh, Scott for he's like three levels deep now. He was working on USB MIDI, and then he decided he needed to improve USB, so he decided to try the tiny USB library with uh, Tack, who's working with us, uh, wrote a while ago, and he started to work on that, and now he's another level deep working on spy and qspy related to that and thank him for taking the leap for doing all <laughs> this stuff uh which i thought we wouldn't get to for a long time <laughs> so yeah it's, it's a big cleanup and it'll get us less dependent on asf4 which would be great you might be at some point we might be able to get rid of asf4 because this is the main thing that we really depend on asf4 is usb support right now yes yeah, and I love the idea of like having the USB stuff be shared across all of the ports. Just makes yeah, everything so much easier. So I'm yes, I'm I'm excited about it too. That that's very good. And uh, I want to thank um, Carter and Jerry, especially in the past, like within the over the past week, in various ways, they've just been really responsive to new people in the forum. I mean, in the forum, not in the forum, in the in the in the CircuitPython channel. We have a lot of people asking for help, and they've been very helpful to them. So thank you for continuing to be, to support, do real-time support. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Deshipu. Group hug. Group hug. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, Drew. 
Uh, yeah, uh, thanks to you and uh, Lady Ada for looking at um, a pull request I've been working on for um, I2C support on the BeagleBone. They had some helpful insights for me in there. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. All right, Jerry? Yeah, um, thanks to, uh, to Brent R for, uh, again, his continued support and new work on the LoRaWAN um, support for the Arduino side, which has been a big help for me, at least understanding how it all how it works and getting ready to try and support it and then um and and again and also a, a shout out to carter for his awesome support on the on the forum and channels this week great thanks jerry all right katney all right so thanks to summersoft with uh some help with a code issue i was having this weekend um saved me so much time heading down entirely the wrong path um <laughs> and came up with a very simple, elegant solution. And I really appreciate that. Um, thanks to Carter for explaining my own code to me. I wrote something that worked and I had no idea why it worked. Um, it was great that it worked and that it didn't take me hours to figure out. However, um, it took longer for me to understand why um, <laughs> it worked than it actually did for me to write it. Uh, thanks to Brennan for continuing to be there for uh, PyPI, Raspberry Python weirdness. And also, um, again, to Summersoft for all the Adabot work and the new CircuitPython libraries list. Thank you for getting that in so quickly. Um, that was a, a, a request from someone else, and uh, that got taken care of super fast and very well done. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you very much for that. Totally. All right. Uh, Nicholas and Tollery. You around? I can't hear you. Can anybody else hear him? I can see you going green, but I cannot hear you. Nope. Weird. All right, we can come back to you if you want to mess around with it. All right. Yeah, we'll keep going. No worries. Um, I want to circle back to... Dave, let me know if you are lurking or not, too. And we'll circle back to you as well. Um, and SDW is lurking. already said so. So, Sedacious... Stuff and notes. Okay, uh, Sedacious says, uh, thank you to Katni for making an introduction that has borne some tasty, tasty fruit. Uh, thanks to Deshipu for helping me source and debug some super small TFTs. And lastly, thank you to Seagrover for taking time on a Sunday to help me improve my shade tree pixie wrangling into something approaching real engineering. Awesome. Cool. And Dave's trying to track down a coworker. I believe is a coworker, um, and then Summersoft. Go ahead and paste away, and I'll read off you as well. Um, Summersoft says, uh, "Yeah, uh, thanks to Carter for finding some things I missed in Cookie Cutter, and thank you to Maker Cats, aka uh, Sabas1080, for porting CircuitPython to their Meow Meow board and to Arduino Make MKR1300." And group hug for all the things my Monday brain isn't compiling. <laughs> and I think I heard Entol, so go ahead, Entol. Entol. I heard you briefly, I think. Now you're not going. <laughs> if you're using the it in the browser, then 
I always have better luck with the standalone because it just brings Chrome with it, basically. Computers suck. <laughs> you can type into if you like, and I'll read it off. Did we gain anybody else? Uh, Josh, do you want to uh, go? Josh says, uh, thanks to Lady Ada for the mention of edgy blocks in the new Python video series, and to Dan H for helping me merge my first circuit Python PR. Yay! Should have like celebration here. I love the ta-da emoji. Ta-da! Um, and Toll says, uh, I should take a time code. 2039. Time codes are hard. My brain just goes to other things. Um, and Toll says, group hug for all. And two thanks to Katni from months ago for help uh, with language slash terminology help. Awesome. And I don't think, Dave, do you have any? Dave, do you have any? Now I hear you, Nicholas. <laughs> it just echoes back. I don't hear your voice. Dave is typing. Okay, he's just trying to track somebody else down. Okay, let's go on to status updates. Um, status updates is a chance for everybody to talk a little bit about what they're working on um, and what they, both in terms of like what they have done in the, what you've done in like the last week and then also kind of what you planning, what you're planning on doing in the coming week. And this is really good to just make sure that everybody knows what everybody else is doing, but also you can share tips and tricks about like, oh, you're doing this thing, take a look at this other thing, and, and kind of like handing off uh, topics and knowledge that way. So um, it's a very typical software engineering thing. So, uh, but I find it useful and I hope, I hope you do too. Uh, so I will start after I take a time code. Um, as Dan alluded to, I am three levels deep on USB refactoring. Um, the original goal was to get uh, MIDI working on the SAMD uh, because we do have this new trellis board coming and we want to be able to do US MIDI. I spent a few days and got the descriptors working with the USB descriptors library. Um, and then I got to the point where I basically needed to write the low level um, MIDI layer above the USB layer. Uh, and I was digging into the ASF4 stuff and I just really, really hated it. So. Um, I decided to switch to tiny USB, which I like a lot more um, because it's open source and TAC has done a great job uh, structuring it and has all the nice nice structs and everything. It's, it's just much better written. So, um, And this is something we kind of kicked around the idea of switching to at some point. And I was just like, if I'm doing all this MIDI work, like the, the next thing I'm going to have to do after I get SMD working is getting it working in... Um, getting it working in NRF, which meant like I might as well just... Instead of doing the extra work of doing MIDI in two places, I was like, I'll just do the extra work to move SAMD over to TinyUSB. Um, and a cool, really awesome consequence of that is that basically the all of the USB stuff and, and the, how the supervisor interacts with it, so managing, like, writing, reading and writing files and auto-reloading, like, once you have the USB working on a board, you'll, 
and you'll be able to get REPL. And then once you have Flash working on the board, you'll be able to get the get the mass storage really easily. So um, the hope is that we'll see start we'll start to see an even broader proliferation of uh, Circuit Python uh, support that's at least at a, a base level of the workflow. Um, so I got CDC working on the CMD uh, port, uh, CMD 51 side of things. So I, I know it's possible and I know it works, um, which is really cool. And so I'm going to continue. I, I wanted to, there's the f external spy flash support in NRF is not that great and it's much better in CMD. So I, that's why I chose to factor that as out as well. So it just unifies all that, which is super cool. So um, I got the proof of concept going. Uh, if you want links to where I'm doing that code, let me know. Uh, but this week, I will continue to reorganize. I basically move stuff apart and then and reorganizing it. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I don't think that there's anything else. It's just, yeah, I'm deep in the USB weeds. Um, but we'll have an open source USB stack for all of these, uh, for, for the microcontrollers we support in the future, which will be awesome. Um Okay, enough rambling for me. Uh, I will read what Brennan says. Um, Brennan says, uh, testing and some tweaks for character LCD libraries, uh, testing keep add, uh, more to come. And then uh, writing a guide up for a basic foot switch plus Neo Trellis hid project. So uh, USB based stuff as well. Um, and Carter. Yeah, working on a couple of barometric sensors. One of them is kind of an older one that fell through the cracks that I came across, an MPL115A2, which of course means a lot. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, think, I think it's so old, it's got a three-digit uh, PID. But that was pretty simple, and the, uh, the there's a PR version out there in, for a review from librarians that no one's touched yet. So if you want to take a look at that, please do. And the other one that's in the works is the brand new one that's in the shop, that BMP388. Mm. And I've got that working on I2C right now and just kind of continuing to uh, refine it. And we'll see what happens with that. It should be out soon, weekish. Awesome. Sounds good, Carter. Uh, thank you for all, all your library work and your support work. It's great. Um, okay, C. Grover, do you have hug reports and status updates? Yeah, I just got out of a meeting with a commercial video crew where I um, used my latest circuit python ufo controller <laughs> so the ufo controller it's just a lighting controller but um it's going to be used for a uh, prop in a film and uh i just wanted to give a hug report to the entire circuit python team for producing a product that is good enough for a commercial application <laughs> yeah. And it's the first, and you know, I do a lot of hobby stuff, right? And I do a lot of things for myself, Christmas lights and music synthesizers and all that kind of stuff. But I've never um, done anything commercial with CircuitPython and it just worked out of the box. And um, I'm just amazed with the quality of the animations I was able to produce, the speed with the M4, uh, Itsy Bitsy M4. Mm -hmm. And everything just worked. And I'm even, you know, I, and I'm running the most recent version of three. So a, a big group hug to the, the team and, and the efforts that are going into that. And then I'm excited about what you're doing, Scott, in the MIDI and the USB realm, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll tie into my, my upcoming projects that 
I hope to get back to more of the music synthesis stuff. So anyway, big thanks. And those are my projects. Great. And uh, thank you for the links on the MIDI stuff too. Oh, you're welcome. I hope that was helpful. Yeah, it totally was. I That's one thing I want to do with the USB stuff is I want to make USB produce an identical stream to what the UART produces so that code can just, the MIDI like message code can just work. Yeah, for me, the biggest um, uh, discovery was, or realization was that MIDI is just a stack. And when you think about it in terms of a communication stack like mm-hmm. that, it, it just gets a lot easier to conceptualize and use. Right, right. Cool. So I'm glad, glad that was helpful. Yeah, it was. Totally. I just let myself get distracted. <laughs> well, I completely understand that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, C. Grover. Uh, Charles. Speaking of where... Uh, I'm sorry. Speaking of which, I actually... My uh, electronic ocarina now has uh, MIDI coming out of it. Oh, cool. I use, I use the bus I.O. serial... Uh, to, to get the uh, serial interface, mm-hmm. I bought it at thirty-one two fifty, and it worked. It worked. It worked on the uh, Metro M zero one M four. Great. So that's where, where I am, and I, I I'm sort of happy to hear that you are trying to get the uh, USB MIDI working. Mm-hmm. And that. And by the way making them look the same is exactly uh, a good idea. <laughs> Make yeah. my life a lot easier. Yeah, that's the hope. And I want to do that for BLE as well. Yeah, good luck. Thanks. Alright, Dan. Um, I've just, I spent a long, lot of time reading about BLE and watching videos, just trying to absorb it all in preparation for uh, working on our whatever BLE support we're going to add to 4.0. And the next step is to hopefully sometime this week, look at Arturo's um, pull request. And then the other thing, minor thing that I did is that there was some problems with Ampy. The release that was on PyPy was out of date and the version number, there was some version number skew. So I automated PyPy in Travis. And that's, which it should have been done a long time ago right that's all okay awesome thanks dan that all of that support stuff is super helpful and i'm excited to see what bluetooth ends up to be all right uh dave do you have any status updates i know you've been trying to hunt somebody else down all right uh dishibu let's go to you no worries dave he says he's AFK. Okay, sorry. Uh, so I've been th- that for the last week. I've been on uh, the German uh, PyCon.de conference, mm. uh, and uh, I had a lightning talk about the Pew Pew boards, and uh, there was a huge interest in that. Mm. I think I got the Berlin Pi ladies uh, to to, uh, to to at least they want to uh, run workshops with that. So that's really uh, exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, from bad news, I when I was going back from the conference, my laptop got broken. 
So oh, no. now I'm without a laptop. I guess until I, I get a replacement for it. So probably for the next week, I'm not going to be active. Mm, well, take it, take it as a vacation. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks for all your work and outreach that you do, Deshebu. It's awesome. Um, okay, Drew. Yeah, I've been working on heading uh, I2C support for the BeagleBone Black and Blinka, and um, I've been mostly working. One of the issues was about um, the Adafruit uh, bus device library. Um, does a write um, to see if a device is there. That does not. Uh, does a empty byte write to an I2C address, and that does not work with the um, I2C uh, driver that's on the BeagleBone. So switching right. that to a read now. Um, so almost have that finished. Um, so hopefully that will get around that and then work on uh, different platforms. And thanks for you and Lady Ada pointing out that doing a, a write of a non-zero value is probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for working on that. Okay, Jerry. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time this week playing with the, this Lorowand stuff on the Arduino side, um, just trying to understand basics of how, how things work and uh been a lot of fun but not necessarily circuit python related but hopefully leading up to porting it over which i've been saying for weeks but i'm getting there yeah no worries i've been saying i'd get back to display io for weeks <laughs> and uh but it, it's been working great a lot of fun and uh, and then um i tried to put a quick fix in there was some discussion we'll follow up in the weeds about the neopixel stuff but it, it needs a little more work mm -hmm. uh, and similarly there was a thing came up about, about the bitmap font that it was just an annoying um, fix that needed to be put in that, that went in to allow it to import uStruct or struct. Right. And um, and then there was this uh, thing come up recently. It's been on that been out there for a while. An issue with the DHT that somebody had with this Wemos D1, which is an ESP8266 clone. Mm -hmm. And I've just been trying to follow up and understand. It looks like it's actually related to MicroPython 1.9.4. So, but trying to understand why it why it doesn't work for on on this, but mm -hmm. see if there's anything you can do. I don't know. It looks like it's related to that particular board, so mm -hmm. it may not be a lot of effort. We'll see. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm going to be away uh, um, doing some serious grandparent duty this weekend, <laughs> so uh, maybe do some reading, but not a lot of hardware. That sounds like fun, though. It will be. Awesome. Thanks as always, Jerry. All right, Josh. Josh says, "Your mic, yeah, it must be text only." Uh, this week I've been mostly busy at Mozilla Festival, which had lots of workshops using Microbit, Circuit Playgrounds, and other cool stuff, and an amazing DIY music workshop by Antol. Uh, but I did manage to add Catney's Circuit Playground library to in EduBlocks, and I hope that when the editor is released, people will add blocks for Circuit Python libraries. Uh, we've also got an advanced section for things that don't fit into their own category. Uh, like CPU temperature, and I've been adding to that too. I've also been writing a Welcome to EduBlocks for CircuitPython guide on the Learn portal with some information and demos uh, people can read and try out. I've attached a GIF to show the library add-on. So if I hover over it, I think it runs. Oh, yeah, there it goes. For those of you watching the recording. 
Uh, for those of you in the chat, you just hover over the GIF and it plays, I believe. Although it might be a Nitro thing. Okay. Uh, thanks, Josh. Let's go on to Katni. It's actually just playing for me, so... Oh. <laughs> Maybe it just had to load for me. Um, so, let's see. This past week, I updated the weekly newsletter template with more library goodness. Um, we've added a Blink image that uh, PT made for us, uh, where Blink is reading a book, because it's a library thing. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to, or works with uh, Summersoft to get the CircuitPython library list page set up. That was a request from PT. Um, he wanted to just have a page that has all the, a link to all the libraries and a list of them. Um, and Summersoft got that going incredibly quickly. Adabot is going to generate it. And once we've got Adabot running um, nightly, <clears throat> it will uh, generate that uh, generate that list and push it to the bundle repo. And so that will just exist and we will always have an updated list. Mm -hmm. um, I finished up the, the guide updates for uh, the basic character LCD, uh, Brandon actually just finished testing with that, and I need to finalize it. There's a PR outstanding um, to update the simple test uh, that, that Brandon updated for me, so I need to do that. Um, I finished most of the matrix keypad guide. I'm waiting on final testing for that, and then that should be ready for review. Uh, this past weekend, I helped out JP with some guide code um, indirectly. That's what Summersoft helped with, so thank you. <laughs> Um, next up, uh, today I'm going to update the library tracking issue. I want to go through all the open pull requests on the libraries, which is not a huge deal. There's not that many, but I want to go through all of them. That's mostly to make sure I haven't missed any Hacktoberfest PRs since the month mm. is almost over. Um, I need to merge the Brennan's PR that I just mentioned, um, and, uh, the, finish up the the two guides I just talked about, and then the there's we're moving on to alternate form factors of character LCD. That's the next set of things that's hmm. up for guide updates. Um, so the uh, I squared CSPI backpack is next. Um, hmm. I also um, may want to go through, and I and I might want help with this um, if anyone is is interested in helping and put in some more issues on libraries for some of the repo level stuff that Adabot finds. Um, the ones that are super easy PR fixes, I think, should go in as issues, because I don't think everyone realizes that um, even though the library tracking issue exists, they don't know to actually go through and say, oh, if Adabot said this thing is needed, I can actually do that, because mm. it doesn't it doesn't say, hey, this one's easy. Um, so I thought actually getting that out there might help, since um, the Hacktoberfest stuff really worked, and we've got right. some, people, some people who are involved um, who are still doing beginner level issues. That if we got some more beginner level issues posted, uh, we might get some more stuff done. Right. So that is also on my radar um, to do over the course of this week. Awesome! Lots of good library work. Yeah, that's uh, that's the goal. <laughs> working, working through it all and making them better. I think you're nailing it, so it's good. Um, okay, uh, and Toll has typed in. And Toll says, My update. Uh, spent last weekend at MozFest here in London and met plenty of teachers who said they were really looking forward to the next release of Mew. Uh, having teachers breathing down your neck, uh, 
no matter how polite they are, may they may seem at first, is never a good situation to be in, so says the former teacher. Uh, ergo, to avoid an after-school detention or minus 9,000 house points, I'm going to spend all day Thursday and Friday doing Mew issue triage and reviewing PRs and prep for a 1.1 release. I uh, would love to know more about multi-language support in CircuitPython uh, so I can mirror this in Mew. Example, in Spanish Mew, the tooltips from CircuitPython are in Spanish. Uh, also, Tana, you asked about PyCon Hatchery, but not heard anything more on that front. I'm looking forward to seeing folks at PyCon. Hurrah! Uh, keep up the great work, folks. I wish I had more time to deep dive into CircuitPython things. Um, uh, yeah. I haven't thought any more about PyCon Hatchery. Uh, but for those of you who didn't realize it, uh, PyCon US in Cleveland next spring, uh, we're all planning on being there. So uh, if you want to plan your travel, uh, please do, and we'd love to see you. Um. <laughs> and Dol says, um, yeah, was the right answer. Okay, great. I'm glad I had the right answer. Uh, so SDW is lurking, and I'll read off Sedacious says, Sadeus uh, was able to get a prototype animations working on one of my TFTs, and with Deshipu's help, got another smaller TFT working with after some library tweaking. Uh, a sprite has great has been great for pixel art and animations. Well worth the price. That's spelled A S E P R I T E. Very cool program, um, which is neat. Uh, Sedacious also says, received and assembled the ESP-like M4 board that I'm calling the CP32M4, and of course found a small bug in the process. Uh, in Prens, check the history of CircuitPython channel for leaks, pictures of that. And then uh, lastly, with suggestions from C. Grover, I overhauled the design of the AA-powered M4 board to um, have more chooch, integrate with the aforementioned tiny TFT, Add mounting holes and a better fit into a case. Uh, remove redundant parts and add more room for future add-ons. Uh, once this board is off to the fab, I can get back to coding and working on my guide. This treadmill never... S- oh, it's all caps, but I won't yell. Um, this treadmill never stops, but I kind of love it. <laughs> Which is the line that I really love. Um, okay, and then uh, last but not least, uh, as is usual... Uh, Summersoft says, um, oh, you reordered it on me. Uh, FRAM library is awaiting another review. A library cookie cutter uh, fixed a couple issues I missed with the change in dependency generation that Carter found. Uh, for Adabot, uh, command line params are almost done. Just need to remove extra code from last review. Can do proposed validator a la carte separately. Um, added a list of libraries to the bundle repo, which Adabot will update, and started working on checking if updates have been made to a library since the last release. We'll continue to work on it. Um, no worries. Uh, then, uh, more generally, updated Welcome to CircuitPython guide with examples and bundle information, asking that some people go through it and provide feedback if there is any. Uh, this week, Seeing if I can devise some .travis.yaml tests on a fork branch with cron, croning Adabot. Still plan on refocusing to frequency in. Uh, didn't happen last week, or this week. 
Cool. Okay. And with that is uh, status updates. Thank you, everybody, for um, taking the time to let us know what you're working on. Um, let's move straight into the weeds. Uh, we have one topic so far, but if you have other topics you want to talk about, um, post them in the in the text chat. Um, Katney, do you have a weeds the thing, or do you have a status update thing? It's more of a status update thing. Okay. Um, I just want to say if, uh, and this is um, in general, but also in response to uh, Carter, if if you have PRs that haven't gotten attention on libraries, um, or even on Circuit Python, I know this is Scott will say the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, feel free to ping us. If if nobody has responded to your PR within you know 24 hours or something to that you know reasonable, um, let us know so we can take a look at it. Um, and if nothing else, you know, find uh, somebody who can actually provide. Um, Discord is fine. Email is fine. Um, you could ping on uh, GitHub, but um, if we miss the ping on GitHub, <laughs> Discord might be a better option. Um, so uh, that's, I guess I would say GitHub or, or Discord if you feel like um, GitHub is being missed would be my suggestion. Totally. Okay, that's yeah. Discord is absolutely fine. Um, yep. So just, but we we want to get through these these pull requests. We want to make sure that things are addressed and that things are not sitting around for ages without um, any attention. So do not hesitate to to let us know that we've um, that we've let something slip. So that was all. I just wanted to point that out um, uh, before we moved on. So thanks. Cool. Thanks, Katni. That's always a good reminder. Um, okay, so we have a couple other in the weeds from Carter. So um, let's just jump into the NeoPixels one. Why don't you give us background there, Carter? Okay, sure. I will link an issue. There's that. Uh, hang on, let me do it that way. Um, and this came about from someone, I can't remember, I think it was Discord, it may have been Discord or forums, but they were doing something where they were using RGB or RGBW, I can't remember what, they were creating that, and they were passing in the, the opposite tuple, like they were passing in a three tuple or a four tuple that didn't match mm -hmm. what their pixel order was. And it just silently consumed it and spit back zeros. So what they saw from their point of view was, you know, they wrote their program, they ran it, no errors, but also nothing on the NeoPixels. Right. Because it was just, it was sending out zeros. So I think if they had lit stuff up first, they would have seen stuff go from lit to not lit, and that would have been, like, action. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it was just pure blankness. So that was kind of a weird behavior that, that got created from this. So digging into it, you can look at the code and see how it obviously does it. And so it kind of pulls a thread on a bigger issue on, like, what we want to do in general for any of these mismatches. And we have a couple of ways of passing in the color info. You can pass it in via tuple or via int. Right. So there's the issue, and that's the general point of discussion with no real answer at this point. Right. So one thing that jumps out at me is the 32-bit int row. We don't have 32-bit ints, so we maybe we should just say, like, if it's over... 24 bits then we just say like oh this doesn't work yeah it looks like it, it it never uses anything above 24 bits right now is that correct yeah it shouldn't because we only have 31 bits 
Right. Oh, and that's why. So that's why you can't set the W. Yeah, I, I I sort of blindly assume that if you had a, you know, a, an RGBW, that the upper eight bits or I guess it would be only, only six bits could be used for it. But if that doesn't make any sense, since there's only six bits. Right. And I tried so, to. At some point, I tried to do fancy things of if all three components were the same, it would use white instead of the three. It, it, it does now. Yeah. That's still in. That's still in there. That's what I call the auto magic. Oh, okay. So. So I, I put in a quick PR that I think handles the tuple case, and you can tell me if it, if I miss something there. Yeah. But should I? You wanted me to just modify that to also then throw the same value error. You know, if if basically anything above above bit twenty four is set. Sure, that works for me. Because the other option would be to create some fancy behavior instead of just saying this is the wrong mismatch, throw an error. We could possibly do some automatic things you know like if they pass in a four tuple to an rgb just ignore the w yeah the problem so with any of that is, is that it'll just mask you know eventually it's gonna i mean some whoever's doing it is setting it up incorrectly and not getting the behavior they really want so it's gonna probably it, it you know it could lurk for a long time in their code until something really breaks I kind of rather break it. <laughs> it lurk. It'll lurk in their code until somebody tries to convert it to a RGBW, and then, kaboom! Right. It'll, then it'll do something different. Do something weird. Yeah. You don't want that. Yeah, I think I think throwing an exception is fine. If you. That, that's kind of the way. That's the way I would kind of lean too. I don't know if that's. My only concern was that is that being too like um you know not user beginner friendly. Well, I think like... the the opposite way should work. If you provide a 3 tuple to a 4 tuple or an RGBW strip, you should just not use the W component, right? Okay. If you give an RGBW a 3 tuple, right. Then you, you should assume then you should assume W0. Assume that's a W equals 0. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which I guess is different than the auto magic I added. Correct. So. so all right. Um, and I was wondering if there's been if there if that's kind of there for historical reasons, like there was a desire to have a bunch of legacy RGBW code work with RGBW NeoPixels, so people could just buy them, plug them in, change the creation. But then the rest of the code would just magically work. Just the W wouldn't really be used. Right. That I mean, that's Other why way. I would have it work that way. But okay, so that's a so basically so if if it's any the question I guess comes up is, you know, I guess RGBWs are they always RGBW or can they be WGBR? You know, in other words, you know, in RGBs they can be different orders. They, they can, but that's taken care of via the pixel order. So all that all that we're really discussing is three versus four values. The the, okay. the internal mapping is taken care of. Right. We should standardize the order that you use from the library. Right. So 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 if a three tuple comes into a into a four tuple, you want it to go RGB. Yeah. Those are the values that get assigned for the three the three in the order. Right. Right. From the user's point of view, they specify RGB or RGBW. Okay. 
and oh. it's the uh, the specifics of the mapping are done in the creation. Okay. Right. So so the only case it'll throw an error then is if you put a if you put four into a three. Yeah, I think that's fair because then you're providing extra inf information and silently dropping it seems like a bad idea. Okay. And similarly, um, if if anything above the twenty third bit is set, throw the error. At yes. any time. Okay. That's reasonable. Yeah, the reason I did the auto magic for the twenty four bit is that I was picturing people who were coming from the web world where like hex colors are kind of currency. Um and that's why I wanted to make white just just work in my mind. Or like gray work just just work in my mind. Um but if we think that's a bad idea, we could rip that stuff out too. I don't see any reason to take that out. I mean the part where if all three are the same that you right. make it W. Right. Any reason to take that out? I I kind of on the I'm on the fence about that actually. It's kind of like what if I actually wanted to set explicit RGB the same? Well, that's what the, the, the tuple can do well, that. Physically, can you set RGB and W? Oh, you're right. Use the use the tuple input. Okay. But I mean, what what will the NeoPixel do if you set W? Will all four lights come on? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, and, and but yours so your code actually prevents that. The auto magic only occurs with the integer input. Um, is that right? Right. The auto yes. magic prevents you from having red, green, and blue on at the same value. And only for the auto magic, but no, I mean for the integer. But also, I thought I did it for the tuple as well. No, no. It, it's only in the integer if. Well. I know, I know, for example, when you deal with RGB on the web, it pa if you pass a single value, right? If you pass a single value, it makes all three the same on RGB. But what would you do with RB RGBW? I don't know what you mean. You know, when you deal with colors on the web, uh, you know, in... Uh, that other stuff, um, which is where we started with this whole mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, when, if you put zero F, for example, okay, in the color pound sign zero F, it makes it zero F zero F zero F mm -hmm. for the three tuple. Hmm. But I know I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do with the fourth one because the fourth one should uh, the white should be I guess should be turned off left off right in that case well that yeah like the web doesn't have this notion of white being a separate thing like mm -hmm. it, if there's a fourth component on the web it's alpha it's not it's not white yeah right it doesn't know about we just, in, in the web we don't have to deal with it because we if you want you know if you want white you just put all f's right and that's that and, and and that's exactly why i made it work with the auto magic Okay. That makes because sense. because if you have an RGBW, you want a better white than the white you get from having RG and B lit all at the same time. Yeah. So you're saying that if it displays, a, if you send it all three the same, right? Right. Uh, three apps. If you send three app 
FF integers, uh, then it will give you the white, it'll turn the white on on an RGBW. Correct. Ah, okay. That makes sense. But not if you do a tuple. Right. Right, because I feel like you're being more direct there. Like if you did that, it would not, the auto magic would not happen. Right. Right. Should it? No, no. I, 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 I see why, I see your logic now, Scott, and I think okay. that's cool. I have it only be the end. That's the way the web people are going to be thinking, right? Right. And that's how I think. That's why I implemented it. <laughs> and for case, weird cases where you're like, no, no, please don't. Right. You know, turn off my RGB in front of the light. This is some weird thing I'm really trying to do. You just use the tuple. Yeah. I'll play around with it with the PR and make a change. It looks like it's it's actually it's a little. Uh, I have to think about trying to do it without adding, make me make the code any bigger. So I'm just yeah. trying to think about how to do the best. So. And Jerry, can you uh, respond to that issue thread and summarize what we just discussed here? I guess. Yep. Since you're there. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. Right, thank, you. thank you so much. Good. Okay, Carter, you're, you're next. Next bullet. All right, easy one. I was just working on these altimeters and went to the design guide and noticed that there's no entry for altitude. You should mm -hmm. add one. So we should add one. And how, do you, how did you decide on what the standards were? I cribbed them from the sensors for Arduino. <laughs> okay. I'll take a look at that and I'll just chat with you with what I find and see if you're cool with what I choose. Yeah, just pick whatever. The 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 highest the most important thing is to standardize the name and the units. Correct, correct. The name is pretty obvious. It'll be altitude, and then the units will be the the tough thing. I'd do meters since we do Celsius. Yeah, I, I would hope SI most definitely. Meters is the obvious. Okay, I'll ping you on that once I kind of think about it. Okay, yeah, and do you know how to edit it? It's in the docs folder in the CircuitPython library. So this would be a PR to the main CircuitPython repo, right? Correct. But it would just modify the docs, yeah. Yep. Okay, I can do that. Cool. And then, okay. Lastly, Carter uh, again. In VM, yeah, the non-volatile memory. I've got something I'm going to be working on where it's an Arduino... Um, it's doing a CircuitPython version of an Arduino thing that stores values in EEPROM. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure out how we could do that in CP and came across that. And I actually have never used that before and mm -hmm. just kind of played around with it. And it kind of seems to work as advertised. But <laughs> I was just a little curious what it's actually doing since we really don't have EEPROM on these. So boards. just like... Um... Just like the internal file system, it's just reading and writing to the internal flash. Um, so when you write a value at a particular, like it just has a byte range in internal flash, and when you modify it as if it was a byte array, it it like loads loads the whole thing up, erases it, and writes the new value back in that block of internal flash. So it's basically just a cute thing you've added to CP to emulate EEPROM. And you've set aside some space. Yeah. Program memory and the flash for, for doing this. Yeah, it's for storing stuff without having to deal with the file system. And it's and it stays too. Yes. Yeah, because it's in internal flash. Um, but beware, I think it's crashing right now on 4x. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at yeah. least on the 51. 
it's just it's just an array of it, it's an array of memory like any other you can write to it you know either well if you're storing a say a 32-bit value into it you can store it byte by byte or you know i don't know what the what the rights you can only write to it the the api only accepts byte rights to it is that right yeah yeah i i understand it at that level like how to actually interface to it well it's you can kind of a... i think you can write slices and i would recommend that if it doesn't work i was just there was a there was some work done by uh, hex that 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 i that really confused me because he was storing four bit you know 32 bit values in five bytes and i, I never understood i couldn't understand why weird i would just it, use it, struct right <laughs> Yeah, struct is the way to go. Right, right. A combination of struct and and various other things for p pushing stuff in and out. Right. I was just curious if that was um and and you have no issues with that module. It's seen aside. It doesn't really seem like it's been advertised much. Um, it's just no. It's just um, it's just more advanced. I would say, and okay. I would suggest that if you are going to demonstrate how to do it. Uh, I don't know exactly what you're using it for, but try to minimize the number of writes you do because it it is like internal like flash memory does wear out, right, um, right? And so if it's some sort of like when you start up you read it and then when you're done you write it like that's a good way to do it. Like just it'll write once at the end. It'll be a little more than that, but it's not going to be. It won't be heavy usage. Yeah, I wouldn't log data to it or anything like that. That would be why not. That's pretty low low use. Uh, it depends on if you're gonna write data. If you're gonna write like data logging, if you're gonna log data to it, I would recommend buffering. Because every if you do if you write every single byte, you're doing a full erase each byte you write. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's not smart enough to. Uh, balance by any means. So that's a, yeah. See, that's a little detail. If you if you're doing like a logger, like you and you want to log every second, I would buffer like however many minutes you're okay losing if the power drops, and then write that whole kind of two minutes worth of data all at once just to yeah. So don't just have a simple like four loop that just yeah. writes about one at a time because it's going to erase every time. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, the the you'll you will get to the like hundred thousand erase limit or something. Like it's okay. we're we're pretty bad about it in general with the internal flash system, but we had the benefit of like anything that's user inspired doesn't rapidly approach that like hundred thousand or whatever million mark, whatever it is. But if you're doing something automated and you're just gonna let it sit, like that's where you'll hit the wear li wear limits quicker. I think. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, there's there's work to do there. But um, yeah, you should use it. Uh, just be aware that I think 4x SAMD51 is crashing hard right now. Um, I'll, I'll play around in 3x then. Yeah, I think it, on 21 it should be fine. But um, there's a bug that I have been meaning to get back to. I was trying to detect when the stack overwrote the heap. Um. And there's a pending PR that I just got distracted by all this USB stuff. Um, but it tries to catch that case, and and I I discovered it doesn't still catch it. So uh, yeah, it it crashes pretty hard. Um, so just be aware of that. Cool. Thanks. Mm -hmm. And uh, sorry. 
I think that's it. Yep, can that you, was it for my bullet list. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Dave. I've been trying for like 20 minutes to get the audio to work. Oh, yeah? Well, you got it now. Um, yeah, when you guys were talking about the RGB, RGBW stuff, Yep. what if you just make a, a, a flag that you can set global to the library that says whether or not to use the automatic light? You um, set them both one way or the other. Yeah, we could, but I think that just using a tuple as an alternative is is fine. Oh, if you want to hard specify, but if you want it to be automagic and not lose behavior that you're depending on, just a flag would be easier that you can you can set. Um, and with some global mode that you can set that that way. Every, Trapped into one behavior, right? With the int, with the int values, right? Because if they expected it, the auto magic white to work, right. and on the auto magic white, why not just a little more adaptive algorithm? Take the minimum value of all three values when it's in auto magic mode, make that the white, and then subtract the difference from the other two. Then you'll actually get the right mixing. Automatically works if they're all the same, right? But even if they're not all the same, right? You could, like oh, I if said, you had a flag, you uh, you're talking right. about like tinting. You want to tint the real white, right? So if you have have a mode flag for the way the library's interpreting it, right? You know, one would be the all the don't screw with white at all. One would be you no know, the auto gray, right? And the other would be different, you know, offset. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would worry with that of just like the balance between the white component and the colors, but I think not with NeoPixels, but in other cases, I've done a lot of libraries, you Mm -hmm. know, with RGBW and that's, those are, that's the logic I use. Yeah. That sounds like a really good argument for it not being in this library and just having a separate library that does the auto magic white. Um, other one that you hook in if you want in addition to right exactly yeah yeah because like the neopixel library and the related libraries are already kind of ginormous and we do have the pixel buff that if anybody wants to pick up pixel buff that would be awesome but roy's just been too busy to finish it um it's a class that's meant to to share all of this logic across all of our rgbw sorts of uh pixels so uh, if you want to know more about that, that help on pixel buff would be very, very welcome. Um, okay. Actually, the I know I've told you privately, but I don't think everybody else has heard why I've been trying to track down Neil and mm-hmm. get him involved with this is because he has his own branch of MicroPython mm-hmm. that he uses for massively real-time commercial type stuff (laughs) and he has everything that you wish you could do working in it right like async works right and every bit of bit banging is all timer interrupt based there's no spin locks anywhere in it so it can be doing multiple multiple bit banging at once that, that requires you know yeah that sounds super cool I've been trying to get him to see how he could merge that stuff in, and, right. but 
he's he's like so busy that when he says I'll get back to you tomorrow, it, really, <laughs> it could mean up to two years. Yeah, I know how that is. It's good to be in demand. So that's why I've been trying to get him pulled into one of these meetings, right? Because I know there's just a bunch of pending things that you know. Are, disabling interrupts spin locks and mm-hmm. they sort of work and sometimes don't but if he could get his base code in there yeah that takes care of all of that for you totally well we're always we're always welcome to have new contributors and and help them integrate their stuff into our into the circuit python repo so yeah keep bugging them we'd have happy to talk with them i mean and the, this is proven in you know mission critical commercial yeah type applications it's not just something he's been screwing around with right awesome well uh dave i'm glad you got your mic working um and thank you for chiming in about the rgbw stuff as well um yeah that 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 actually comes from a bunch of libraries i've done to um adjust colors in some libraries for philips hue stuff Hmm. well that's a good that's a really good tip um so thank you. Okay, I'm gonna wrap. I'm gonna wrap up um, since we're over an hour, which is kind of usually what we try to stander, um, unless we have a lot of weeds. Um, okay, so uh, let me take a time code just so people can see how long we went. Um, thank you, as always, to everybody who was able to make the meeting. Uh, the meeting happens on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, thanks again to folks who are the European folks who had different time zones, um, which I'm really uh, happy that some of you made it. Um, this meeting was recorded. It will go up on uh, Diode Zone, which is a peer tube instance, which is really neat. I'll put it up there, and then I will also put it on YouTube at youtube.com slash Adafruit. Uh, check the playlist there for uh, all of the pre- past meetings. Uh, we also took notes uh, with time codes. So if you want to skip around and find the things you wanted to re-listen to, or if this is your first listen through, I assume you li- just listen to it all. But um, know that there are notes with time codes there uh, that you can skim and figure out everything we talked about. Um, and with that, I think uh, next week should be just as normal uh, time. We tend to switch up with U.S. holidays, but we don't have those quite yet. Um, so thanks again, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.